Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing a really quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call the Ghostbusters. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extra Plasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that thinks the Screen Actors Guild strike only increases the likelihood that Ghost Heads, the reality series, will be coming to a streaming platform near you, which should be all the reason that every studio needs to negotiate a solution quickly, please, before it's too late. I'm your host, Jim Maritato, aka Vic Maniac on the internet, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be with you for episode 42 of the program. And episode 42 is a very special episode, not just because 42 is the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything according to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but because this week we're joined by two guests for an intercontinental meeting of the minds. The boys from Phantasm Toys join the show this week, and that means that Tony Taylor, who you may remember from previous episodes, is back. But with him is Brendan Pierce of Baducci Studios, whose name you hear every week at the end of the show, because he's the person who created our, like, you know, visual branding and identity and logo. Um, and he's the artistic mind not only be- behind a bunch of the best, like, Phantasm Toys sculpts, but he's also the-, the person who has created tons of different Ghostbusters fan content creators' logos and branding. Um, Brandon does a lot to help support different Ghostbusters fan projects, as well as work on creating awesome toys with Tony. So to have them both on the show was great, but I will also admit to you that it was no small feat as Tony lives in Ohio and Brendan lives in like Australia and I'm in California. And so uh, this means that we had like a 18 hour difference on one between one person, and another 15 hour difference between one person, and another and a three hour difference between one person, and another in terms of how we booked out, the show and it was really kind of a challenge but it was also really awesome to uh, sort of overcome it and work through it because as you're going to hear in this episode uh, this is not just like you know the uh the, the first time i've gotten to talk to brendan strangely enough this was the first time that tony and brendan have actually seen each other face to face on webcam and they've never met face to face in person despite the fact that they've been working together on creating a toy line for for almost at this point like two years um so it's kind of crazy to me that uh, this show was the first time that they ever kind of got to see each other on webcam, despite the fact that they collaborate and talk throughout, you know, every day uh, in text and voice, etc. So um, it's kind of funny. I'm, I, I thought of it was almost like a weird summit of toy creators, but uh, internationally. And it was also kind of a challenge because if you've ever watched, you know, television uh, and seen what happens when you have satellite delay, that was one of the factors that we dealt with here was if I asked the question of Brendan, it would take a solid, you know, maybe 15 seconds for that to be something that he could get. And then the reaction for him to come back to me. So um, this week's episode took a lot of editing, a lot of work to put together in a way that would make sure that it came across sounding like a conversation without odd gaps in it. I think it came out all right. I hope that you find it exciting uh, because I certainly did. And I'm so stoked to have gotten to talk with both of them because we covered a lot of ground in this chat. Uh, from the Phantasm Toys creative process, Brendan's work in 2D art for logos and packaging and his sculpting work on the Phantasm figures, uh, the way that they collaborate together and figuring out how Tony will fabricate those designs, their aspirations for future projects, uh, some commentary from all of us on the state of the action figure and toy market and crowdfunding models, 
I mean, we've kind of talked about a lot of stuff related to toys collecting and toy marketing and production. So, uh, and specific to Ghostbusters. So it was a really exciting conversation. I'm delighted to share it with you this week. And I'm hopeful that despite the challenges in organizing a podcast where even some of the guests are 15 hours different on time, uh, we get to hear from international friends in the podcast way more. And I want to say thank you to Brendan uh, for sort of helping to blaze that trail because, you know, we could have done this with like a, a six hour time difference internationally. And maybe that would have been easier with another guest. And Brendan sort of like blazed the path for like, how would we ever do this with some of the most distant guests who would be hardest to have on the show? So um, I'm really appreciative for that. And I'm really excited because it was a really great conversation. But before we can get into that conversation, we need to talk about what's transpired in Ghostbusting over the last week. So let's get into some Ghostbusters headlines. Still making headlines all across the country, the Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. All in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Yixtra plasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at ya. In Ghostbusters Firehouse news, well, there isn't any. Um, why? Well, probably because we're now really going to talk about the writer's strike and the actor's strike. Um, so let's get into this for a few minutes. What does this mean for the uh, Ghostbusters projects we're all anticipating? If for some reason you've been living under a rock for the last week and you don't know this, uh, the Screen Actors Guild went on strike uh, in the middle of last week. On the 12th of July, they had their extended deadline to negotiate with the uh, motion picture and television uh, produ- producers or production companies that all are negotiating in lockstep together. And unfortunately, they did not come to any sort of resolution. And that means that the uh, Screen Actors Guild went on strike on the 13th. Uh, so I want to say up front, like, you know, in terms of extraplasm and how I feel, you know, the, the show or how I feel about this, like, we stand in solidarity with you know, the folk, the writers, the performers who are trying to get uh, make sure that their you know labor conditions are amenable and are respectful and that they are co- properly compensated for the work they're doing. And, you know, not to get super political uh, in the middle of the show, but, you know, I, I was going to go do some studio tours uh, to kind of round out my summer. And now I'm not because I don't want to cross a picket line. Um, so, uh, you know, th- there's there's certainly going to be some ramifications in, with respect, not just to Ghostbusters, but to literally every production that was in the works or that was being planned, uh, because to simply put it, this means that no actor can work uh, the, the who's in the Screen Actors Guild. Um, and if you are not in the Screen Actors Guild and you go and act as a scab during this, then you will never be in the Screen Actors Guild, which is you know kind of the point for many people. They want to be because that's what assures you uh, access to projects and things like health insurance and uh, you know, protections from a union, et cetera. So, it, but simply put for real, like this really means that with respect to actor work, none is allowed. Uh, just as no writing work has been allowed for the Writers Guild, the uh, Screen Actors Guild has essentially put out language saying that they cannot be involved in active discussion or production on projects, that they can't be involved in promotion of films past, present, or future that they have uh, been involved in. They can't do post production work. They can't be promoting things on social media. Uh, my big gray area I've been thinking about is what happens to podcasts that are actually hosted by people who are in SAG talking about their old projects. So I'm thinking about shows like Office Ladies, if you've ever heard that, as uh, a show where uh, Angela Kinsey and uh, Jenna Fisher actually get together. They're Angela and Pam from The Office, if you're not familiar with that show. 
uh, with who they are as actors, but they have a show where they review and go over each episode of The Office. And I really don't know how that's something they can continue to do in the midst of this, given that that kind of inherently promotes (laughs) The Office. Uh, And so the bottom line here is that, like, there's a real limitation on what anybody can really be doing. There's been some leeway or some gray area opened up that where SAG has said that uh, actors can go to do convention uh, convention appearances, provided that they are not there to promote something that they're actively working on or was actively in development. So, I mean, arguably, that means like William Shatner can still go sign uh, Captain Kirk's (laughs) and not be in trouble because he's not actively talking about it. But I mean, even then, I'm not sure if he can get Captain Kirk's signed uh, because that might be promoting Star Trek, where as much as he might be able to go to a convention and be like, hi, I- I've brought copies of Tech War, my book, and I've also got headshots um, of-, of my face. And I will sign them, but I cannot write anything about Star Trek. Uh, so there's a lot of gray area here about what people can and can't do uh, with some of the grayest areas being around conventions. What is very clear is that nobody can work on a movie. Uh, and so in the case of Ghostbusters Firehouse, we know that principal photography is done. So that's, you know, what we know was wrapped is what was shot over in London and then what the uh, sort of the B team. And I don't mean that like in a negative sense. I mean, like literally they were like, you know, a second unit <laughs> for, for photography in New York City that shot all the stunt driving and stuff that people uh, have talked about and that we haven't discussed the details of on this show. And so there's probably going to be ADR and audio looping needed. Like if you had a group of people who were stunt performers driving around in a car and you didn't have the actual actors there, you will arguably need those actual actors to sit down at some point and match uh, maybe vocal performances with things that are happening on screen. And that is something that you can't do in the midst of the strike. This is really important for us to think about that at the most basic thing, if you're like, what would hold it up? They already have the movie done. Anything they need to do in terms of not just reshoots, which is pretty obvious, right? If they have to go and do any new new scenes, if something's bad or they'd make changes, although I don't know how they would without any writers, um, <laughs> they, there's would have to be reshoots would be out of the question. But even something like having the actors come on to the lot and go to, you know, a, an audio studio and redub lines or dub lines over stunt performers is something that simply cannot be done. Uh, and so what is the likelihood that this movie is going to get delayed till next year? I'm going to go with pretty high. Let's be real. Um, This is probably not going to be a strike that gets resolved in like the next two weeks. Maybe I'll be wrong. Uh, Sometimes I think say things on this show and I turn out to be wrong and it's good for all of us. (laughs) But I I really realistically think it's going to be several months until we get to a conclusion of this, given the the climate and sort of the culture of what's going on. uh, Some of the ways that these negotiations have gotten ugly and some, uh, really negative comments have come out from uh, the sort of the, uh, the the industry side of things and sort of rumors about how they may want to drive the writers into destitution so that, that way they can make sure they get what they want from them when they're too poor to put up a fight. Um, you know, whether or not those things are realistically true, I don't know. Uh, but those are statements that came out in the media in the last couple of weeks. So this looks like it's going to be for the long haul, like they're going to dig their feet in because they feel they have to fight for their rights. And uh, I get that. So that probably means that your film is going to get delayed. It also means that whatever cartoon projects you were thinking were going to happen soon are probably going to get delayed. Cartoon movies are going to get delayed because 
pretty much every project that is in existence is now literally on ice. There's and with the exception of post-production work and maybe like pre-production work that is pre-actor involvement and pre-writing involvement. If you were doing something like working out budgets uh, or potentially like, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I can't I know I'm trying to wrap my head around what that would even be that didn't involve writers. Uh, you may be doing some administrative work of that sense. You might be doing some post-production work like visual effects. Like I imagine that that work will continue on the film because the visual effects department doesn't get impacted by this. So they can, you know, make ghosts and refine proton streams. So the day is long. Um, <laughs> but the reality is that the movie's probably going to get delayed. Um, if it wasn't already, as some of us were kind of speculated uh, and, you know, after looking at what Ernie Hudson said and we commented on last week, where he said that there was some discussion that it might get moved to spring. I would say that, you know, he said that before the the actor strike even happened. So now that Screen Actors Guild has gone on strike, I would say that it's almost a given that we're not going to see this movie by the end of the year, even though primary filming is done, because any other stuff, I mean, even think about the idea that Sony would have to go out. Suppose they did the movie in December. If the strike is still happening, uh, you know, three, four months from now, that could that means that you don't know that you have your actors on hand to be able to do things like red carpets, promotions, like the lead up stuff. You can't have them go off and do any of the interviews that you would want them to do uh, because they're not allowed to. So, uh, you know, I'll be honest, I would rather wait. And I somebody, uh, as I said earlier this week, I don't really feel that this is even like small potatoes. It's more like tater tots and tater tots are delicious. Uh, I waited 31 years for uh, a Ghostbusters movie to even exist. That was afterlife for 31 years. We were like, will this movie ever be a thing that we will ever get to see this Ghostbusters three that's connected to the original films. And then once we knew it was coming and we knew there was a timeline for it to exist, we had to wait another year and a half because of global catastrophe and pandemic. So, um, and we came out of that fine. If we have to wait another six months, and I mean by that, I don't mean like, you know, the world came out of that fine, like just to town downplay that. But I mean, like Ghostbusters fan wise, we're OK, right? Like we all saw the movie. It wasn't like we never got it. Um, but if we have to wait another six months for this movie or something, that is not the end of the world. Um, to me, that's just more time to build interest and uh, excitement about it. And it potentially means that we get a Ghostbusters movie that falls during an anniversary year for the 40th anniversary that makes it an even bigger event. So, um, you know. I'm not saying that I want the strike to go on forever because I want people who want to get back to work to go to work. And I mean that in the sense that, like, I don't think that anybody who's an actor or anybody who's a writer wants to not be doing the thing that they chose to do for their like livelihood and that they have a passion for and love doing. Uh, by the same token, I don't want them to rush back to work while getting beaten up to do so or uh, not being treated fairly. So. Um, you know, from my standpoint, whether you want to call it extraplasm standpoint or gym standpoint, um, you know, let's let's wait and we'll get this movie when we get it. But let's make sure that the folks who create the things we love are getting taken care of and have the opportunity to uh, fight the good fight that they feel they need to. So, um, you know, we'll see this movie when it comes out. It's going to be OK. And yeah, this probably means that maybe we'll get a pushback on some of the other things we thought we would see uh, because. They can't be worked on as easily, but um, it, it is what it is. And we have to kind of roll with it. In um, non Screen Actors Guild news, um, 
things that you know you may be able to go see because they have nothing to do with this strike. If you live in Hawaii, apparently on Halloween weekend on Saturday, October twenty eighth, Ghostbusters news has been reporting that the uh, Ghostbusters in concert performances are going to be resuming, and there's one date scheduled currently for, like I said, October twenty eighth. Uh, in the Hawaii theater in Honolulu, Hawaii. I will not be going there because I live in California and I can't swim that far and plane tickets are really expensive. <laughs> but Jason from Ghostbusters News also noted that there is a uh, announcement that is confirming a Ghostbusters in concert event also at the Iceman Center in Richardson, Texas on November 18th. Uh, that appears to be like perhaps the version of this where they show the movie and play the uh, soundtrack orchestrally along with it so um not there are not necessarily tickets for that yet in full details but um this looks like they may be sort of rolling out the um i don't what do you want to call it rolling out the truck i don't really think there's like a, a tour bus that goes from city to city with the orchestra on it as much as is different orchestras in different cities playing this show uh, but the reality is that if you've been wanting to see ghostbusters in concert you might want to take a look uh, and see whether or not dates are going to start opening up in your area. I do recall from the last time uh, these shows were happening that the website to take a look at then was shermertheatrical.com. I did take a look there to see if any dates were listed for this show on there and there are not. So um, I'm not really sure what's going on, but it does look like there's at least a handful of dates starting to pop up for the end of the year in the, uh, you know, sort of around Halloween so, you know, if this is something you haven't seen yet, uh, keep an eye out. It may turn up in your area or, you know, it may not. We may just get like three or four different cities as has happened in previous years. In merchandise news, um, the big announcement that's sort of come out in the last couple of days is that Hasbro has updated their selfie series app and is going to be releasing the update for the app to people's mobile devices uh, within this week. They are revealing this as part of San Diego Comic-Con 2023 and convention attendees are going to have the first chance to digitally reimagine themselves with the new features that are available. Uh, the new updates that they are announcing are going to be involved include eyeglasses, sculpted beards, mustaches, new hairstyles. I also noticed that the uh, they have a, a sample uh, of a model holding the figure or her own figure when they put out the press release for this. And what's interesting is that that figure has an open mouth, like smiling and with open mouth with teeth, which the prior selfie series figures couldn't. Whether or not that means that they just made this one off head uh, to market it or that's a new feature is yet to be seen. But if you're going to San Diego Comic-Con, uh, they're saying that the convention attendees will have the opportunity to digitally reimagine themselves and become a premium one of a kind action figure based on characters from G.I. Joe Ghostbusters, Power Rangers, and more. The Selfie Series team will be unveiling an updated version of the Selfie Series app that now includes more ways to customize. Updates include eyeglasses, sculpted beards, mustaches, as well as several new hairstyles. So um, if you're at the SDCC Selfie Series booth, there will be a unique package sleeve commemorating the convention and a stand for the figure that is exclusive to San Diego Comic-Con. So if you are heading to Comic-Con, uh, you may want to know that you can go by the Hasbro booth potentially and get a selfie series figure that is new and doesn't look um, quite as rudimentary as the previous being kind. I'm trying because uh, I know that for many people who bought their selfie series figures the last time around, 
Uh, if you didn't, if you if you had any of those features, if you had a beard, if you had eyeglasses, it's kind of hard to make this work and have it actually look like you. So uh, those are important facial features. My position would have been that they probably should have waited until they had those features in place to be able to release this uh, rather than, you know, go through a, a, a phase one that didn't fit many people. But I digress. They're doing better and they're trying to refine it. So let's see what happens next. Um, I do not at this moment have a selfie series figure, but if you get the technology good enough, I might get interested. Fan Home is now shipping the Ecto-1 uh, that you used to refer to as the Eagle Moss Ecto-1, uh, the Build the Ecto package. If you had that subscription before uh, and you are trying to make sure that you get back into it, one key thing you may want to know is that they will be closing the collections for returning builders later this year and that the earliest that that may possibly happen could be in September and the latest could be December. Uh, so if you have not yet resumed your subscription with Fan Home and you want to, you may want to do that sooner than later because they have not set a date that they are going to close it out, but they have said uh, in announcements to my parts blog, uh, the website that's been covering this for many months, uh, that they intend to have a cutoff point where you can either continue your subscription with them uh, before that cutoff point. And after that, you'll have to start from like from, you know, uh, issue one and begin a new project, which for those of you out there who have like, you know, received, I don't know, 30 steps of the original project. That's probably not something you want to find yourself doing is buying 30 parts that you don't need. Uh, so but if you've already been ordering, uh, if you've already subscribed and you're into it, then they are announcing that they're now in shipping phase with over 7000 orders to be fulfilled on the Ecto-1 and Star Trek Enterprise models that they have now resumed. Uh, and so they're suggesting that there may be some delays in getting the first of these out. Um, the announcement that they have in their press release says that the orders are going to be sent for dispatch after payment and that they say, quote, this is where we will most definitely see some delays. No point in sugarcoating it and picking and packing the normal with a new launch. Normally, the staff will work from one position in the warehouse as everyone starts on the same issue, a.k.a. stage one. Uh, but because this is not a new launch, they're saying the nature of these collections is that we have customers starting from stage one upwards. Thus, staff will need to move around more frequently from different locations, which will take time. The warehouse team leads are making sure we all have staff on hand and available for the next several weeks. They did request that if you have uh, questions about status of your order, that you check the portal on Fan Home and suggested that calling customer service would be counterintuitive because they will not have any more info than what's on the portal uh, if you call them. So they've asked not to do that to kind of chase them and say, where's my order? Because they are going to get them all out, but it's going to take them uh, training time to get everybody up to speed while also figuring out who needs episode, you know, issue 22, who needs issue one, who needs issue three, etc. So uh, again, if you have not done this yet, I would do it sooner than later if you've got one of those Eagle Moss build the Ecto projects, because the time to get in may run out soon and the shipping on those is starting now. Uh, in terms of fan merchandise, uh, I want to remind you about a couple things. The first thing, obviously, is the Phantasm Toys Destructor figure, which we do talk about quite a bit in the interview. Uh, so you will have no shortage of reminders of that between here and the end of the episode, I'm sure. Uh, but I also want to remind folks that the TCU Toys 
Um, Ray Stance figure was open for pre-order and I believe is still open. Yeah, that probably closes at the end of the month, if not before then. So uh, I would probably act sooner than later if you haven't. This also was the last of the four figures in the line, and I, I can't recall what the cutoff was. But if you wanted to order a full set, you know, that that when that also has a window that closes, right? Because these are pre-orders. So um, if you're interested in at this point, like, you know, all four of the figures in the set have been announced, released, shown, etc. I know that um, TCU Toys was teasing that their Winston figures are ready and are going to start shipping out. They posted that yesterday. Uh, so if you're if you haven't acted yet on the TCU Toys Ghostbusters, you may want to do that uh, sooner than later. Keep in mind that those are, uh, you know, unauthorized fan reproductions or fan creations but they're still incredibly cool. I have a prototype set of them and they're really well detailed, really nicely done. Uh, and they're all magnetic, which is very cool and interesting because you can like swap parts of them and whatnot. I'm hopeful that like later on, maybe TCU will do like a, um, a weapons pack style thing from masters of the universe, but instead it'll be a bunch of different heads with expressions or something because there's definitely potential for that. In terms of fan events, uh, something I want to make sure that folks know about is that the Buffalo Ghostbusters have announced an ongoing book discussion series with James Green Jr., author of A Convenient Parallel Discussion, um, or rather, that's A Convenient Parallel Dimension. The name of their event is A Convenient Parallel Discussion. My apologies. Um, that's the recently published unauthorized history of Ghostbusters. James was also a guest on Extraplasm several months ago. We talked about his book then, and I've I have said this several times on the podcast that um, he's got some really fascinating insights in that book. In particular, I've talked about how excellent his coverage is on the development of the Ghostbusters theme song um, and how how many different you know reactions he got through interviews from different folks, different takes on how they ended up with a song that sounded so much like I want a new drug that you know, Huey Lewis got some money. <laughs> um, so it's a definitely an interesting read. And it's one that um, you can still find out there, both in print and an audiobook format, uh, for sure. But the G Buffalo Ghostbusters are going to be doing a, a weekly uh, discussion with James, and they're doing that in collaboration with the Moogly fan club. They're going to be discussing two chapters of the book per week. The first attempt at doing this live was on their Facebook page on this past Sunday on the 16th at eight o'clock Eastern. Unfortunately, they had struggles with the live stream. And so they recorded the video conversation with James uh, and that's available on the Buffalo Ghostbusters Facebook page for you to go and take a look at. They will be resuming live streaming again on this Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern. So uh, if you want to check this out, go and access the Buffalo Ghostbusters page on Facebook, follow, like their page, and then uh, go to the event link on their page for the live stream. You can then add yourself to that and make sure you don't miss out on any of the notifications uh, and tune in to uh, interact. And lastly, on a somber note, I wanted to acknowledge the passing of Dan Goldberg, uh, who was a frequent collaborator with Ivan Reitman dating back to his experiences at McMaster University in the 1960s and a close friend of the Reitman family. In connection to our fandom, he was an executive producer on Extreme Ghostbusters, but he had a massive career in comedy as a producer working on films like Meatballs, Stripes, Private Parts, Road Trip, Old School, Space Jam, The Hangover Films. I mean, he has a massive, uh, you know, catalog of things that he influenced and touched uh, I won't get into reading uh, Jason Reitman's entire 
statement on this that he put on Instagram, because I think that you should go read it yourself. It's really touching and uh, really important. But he kind of points out that um, to him, he looks at characters like Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, um, you know, the the characters they play or Howard, Howard Stern and Robin Quivers in private parts or Mitch and Frank the Tank. Um, that the two guys he sees under those characters are Danny and his dad, quote unquote. And he suggests that they were two Jewish kids with equally floppy hair that could convince their college buddies to stay up all night making a movie instead of studying for finals. He goes on to say that uh, Dan loved movies as much as anyone he ever met, that uh, he would still talk films with him through dinner after his dad retired of the conversation, that he read all of his scripts and uh, provided feedback on them. And that he was even there as a person to rest his head on when his father passed away uh, in 2022. So to lose this sort of second father figure in his life uh, within a year probably has to be pretty difficult. So to Jason Reitman and the Reitman family, I'm very sorry. To the Goldberg family, I'm very sorry for your loss. And I want to reiterate what Jason Reitman said uh, at the end of his statement here, which was that he, he said, please watch one of Dan Goldberg's movies this week and laugh so loud he hears you in heaven. Uh, you have no shortage of options. I recommend Stripes because I always feel like it's the proto Ghostbusters. But I also want to suggest that if you want to hear a bit more about Dan Goldberg and his impact on film, uh, check out the cross rep episode from this week because Troy and Chris dig into this. And I have no doubt that uh, given their strengths for analysis and contextualization, that they will do a fantastic job and a better job than I will of illustrating uh, just how vast Goldberg's career was and everything that he touched. And how meaningful it was to comedy uh, and cinema. So, with our discussion of headlines under our belts and our belt gizmos, let's turn now to my conversation with Brendan Pierce and Tony Taylor of Baducci Studios and Phantasm Toys. Joining me on Extraplasm Podcasts for the first ever intercontinental edition of an interview on Extraplasm Podcast. Uh, and I have to say, I'm very excited about this, but also terrified that it could go totally wrong at any point because it's not the world championship. It's the Intercontinental. But, you know, I digress. <laughs> Tony Taylor is back, but he's back with Brendan Pierce of Baducci Studios yeah. for a triumvirate of awesome conversation that spans from the Pacific Coast to somewhere in the Midwest of the United States, <laughs> all the way to Australia. So welcome, gentlemen. I'm so excited you're both here. Um, thank you for coming. Hello. G'day. Yes. How's it going, everybody? (laughs) It's going fantastic. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Yes, you're hosting. (laughs) That's right. Hosting here in sunny Queensland, Australia, where we ride kangaroos to school and wrestle crocodilians on the weekends. (laughs) Do we need to get the conversations about the size of knives out of the way? Or knives out of the way quickly? Like, that's not a knife. This is a knife. Like, just get it done. That ain't a knife, mate. <laughs> this is a knife, champion. <laughs> I'm excited to be doing this um, as much as it's sort of like a real challenge to figure out how to make it work. And Tony was hearing this before you came on, Brendan, that um, it's not the first time that I've had to figure out how to navigate interaction uh, like this far away on this much of a time difference. Because when I was in college, I was in a previous, a pre a already long distance relationship uh, with somebody in Boston while I was living in New York. And then she got a job as an intern in Sydney, Australia for Australian Rolling Stone. 
And I spent the next like, you know, year of my life figuring out how to have a relationship on an 18 hour time delay, um, which was really fun because it would be like I would be going to work at eight o'clock in the morning and she would call me on my drive in and she'd be like, I just got out of this awesome concert and I met puddle of mud backstage (laughs) and I'm drunk. And I'd be like, cool, (laughs) I'm going to work and I'm going to go talk to IBM employees about why their Lotus Notes doesn't work. Um, So (laughs) I feel that trained me for this moment and I really am glad you're here. So thank you. And thank you for indulging my yeah, dumb story. Dumb difference. <laughs> yeah, it could be tough, man. Spend a lot of late nights with Tony. I'm yeah. late talking. Well, yeah, we've made it work though. It's impressive. I have to say this, like, you know, Tony, this is not your first rodeo here. I haven't decided how I'm punching your respective gown cards for this visit, by the way, yet. Like, it's, I know like Tony, you've, like you're almost there. Like you're going to get a gown soon. <laughs> and like, Brendan, this is your first visit. So to get myself out of hot water, I may just create a new card for Phantasm Toys and be there like, we go. Phantasm Toys is a corporate entity that has corporate personhood is going to get its own gown and you have to work together to get it. But um, I really am, I mean this jokingly as much as I'm like, it's hard to navigate time. I'm so glad you're both here and we managed to figure out how to do this because uh, Brendan, like you and I have talked via text for I don't know how long and you of course are the like we should not undersell this as much. As we're going to talk about toys and other stuff. You are the logo master. That is like, you're like one of your identities in ghostbusters fandom at this point is like, you created the logo for this podcast. Then you decided you hated it. And then you decided you were going to make another one. And then we just <laughs> had a conversation about that. Um, but like you've done so many logos for people. And I was just saying the other day, like to a few different folks, like I'm really stoked. Like Brendan's going to come on the podcast and like, oh, like at least three of those people were like, oh, he's awesome. He did my logo. And I'm like, yes, because like you do artwork for everybody and help out. So um, like I want to say just before we get anything, thank you for like that contribution that you've made to this podcast, because it's been incredibly valuable. Like you didn't just create a logo for the show. You were like, I said, what would you could you think about maybe doing a logo? And the next thing I knew, you sent me a visual identity. You're like, here, here's like several different logos for different, different contexts and applications. I was like, who are you and why, what, what, <laughs> what is happening? So I thank you so much for doing it. And that's why it's part of the reason I'm so stoked that you're here. Cause to have you like on the, an episode as somebody who's really contributed to the show in such a powerful way, uh, means a lot to me. So now I'll stop gushing. Oh, thanks man. Yeah. I've been like the, um, Oprah Winfrey of Ghostbuster logos. <laughs> And you get a logo, and you get a logo. That's um, how it's how we yeah, got so started a little Ghostbusters bit. Ghostbusters news. I've done the uh, Frog Brothers, and Extraplasm. I've done you so did many. GB World Hub. I see a lot of guys in the community. They're just doing great stuff, pumping Ghostbusters content out for us all to enjoy. And sometimes I just surprise them with a little logo gift and go, "Dude, you need a good logo because your stuff's amazing." So I'll just whip something up in secret and just go, here you go. <laughs> Which Hopefully they like it and they usually do. I, I have to say, it's always like very impressive. I, you and I were talking about it. It was just like, I said, hey, what do you think about doing a logo? You're like, actually, I'm listening to your show right now. 
was like, oh, okay. Like, um, and I've got some ideas. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I was like, that's amazing. And I have to say, like, when a few other people came to me and said, hey, how do you, you know, what do you do to get your logo? You, you got to go and, like, talk to Brendan. And you got to approach him a certain way or, like, offer him up, like, a sacrifice or whatever. And I'm like, no, you just got to be like, hey, could, could, could you talk to me about doing this? And he'll probably turn around and be like, I have this. Yeah, I'm crazy. <laughs> but um that being said like your creative output is huge i enjoy doing it you know no i'm glad you do because it's well, great so logos can be they're pretty easy they're not like a giant illustration we got to draw all the background elements and add all the special effects lighting and stuff like that logos are you know reasonably easy to pump out but enjoyable and appreciative mm. And appreciated. And, um, you know, and Tony, I'm sure that you do things for the Ghostbusters community, too. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, the logo and stuff like that's kind of how do you <laughs> a couple things here and there. But logos is kind of how we actually got started and met, too. So I've I have benefited from the. Oh, yeah. From the Baducci Studios magic touch as well. So, um, <laughs> you know, I- yeah, we've done a couple of logos for Tony. <laughs> just a couple just a couple <laughs> just a, just a, I'm at 17 um i don't want to i do want to talk about this because like i am fascinated and i repeatedly use you as an outstanding example of the way that like um fan appreciation and synergy and collaboration come together to do something like crazy and amazing because i just want to be clear about this the two of you have like still never actually met face to face right like you've never been in a room together no no, this is the first time we're sort of talking. Yeah, this is kind of this. This is the closest we've come to that mm. so far. <laughs> Strangely enough, we've how long have we been doing this for, Tony? Yeah, it's about years. going on two, two years, years or, or more. so. And we've only just spoken over the phone because all our talking has been through messages, like in the last week. <laughs> so. It's like so this is a week ago was the first time we spoke yeah. to one another. <laughs> Welcome to the Phantasm Toys Toy Summit. Um, <laughs> I but I'm I, that drives me even crazier because I have been saying this like since you all began turning out like toys. Like the evolution of your stuff is amazing. Like what started out as and Tony, you've heard me say this to you before. So as much as I'm like doing the same gushing at you, I'm sorry, but like. You started out as like, I'm going to make a few resin figures that are like be, you know, like little mini figures that fit alongside the Kenner stuff. And what you're doing now is like full blown articulated action figures. The time frame that it took to get there is like so short when you look at like how quickly you evolved, like the design of your packaging and like what's going on artistically has like become so well like refined. And it's strange to me because it's like you are two dudes who both love the same thing and get along together. But you live like a world away from each other. One of like two of us are experiencing summer right now. One of us is, is currently in winter, winter and you know, and you've never so met. It still feels like summer. Now, <laughs> our, our winter is usually like uh, in June, the wind, the wind blows on a Thursday and that's our winter. <laughs> it's a bit chilly and it's just more hot, more hot after that. That's how it is here, too, I guess, a bit. But, you know, you get my point is it's like I'm thinking about how, you know, like 
When the two of you are on a phone call, if you both use the bathroom at the same time, the water goes in opposite directions. Like that's, that's how serious things are in this collaboration and how far the distance is. Um, and I'm being funny, but I, I really am amazed by this. Like I have two friends who I've known since high school, right? Like they are like blood brothers. Basically they've known each other since they were like, you know, three and an infant. And they make music together. And one of them lives in New York and one of them lives in Florida. And everybody's always like, do they ever see each other? And I'm like, no, they literally both have studio spaces. They record things in their home studio spaces. They collaborate. And like once every two years, they get together and be like, let's flip burgers together and write some content. But like beyond that, they never get to see each other. And that's like for two dudes who have a multi-decade relationship who know each other. What Like what you've managed to do in this band you've done is so impressive to me and illustrates like on so many levels, just how powerful all of the, you know, I don't know, information communication technologies that exist out there and the fab technologies that exist out there are. So I'm doing a total rant at you about how awesome you are. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, um, that's the only real, the real obstacle that I guess working together we really have because we really have a lot of the same ideas, same goals, same motivation, same work ethic, it seems. And it's, it's like the only thing is just the 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 mileage is the only real obstacle because a lot of the stuff it's really easy to collaborate with and we're able to communicate either through pictures or half the time we do something we have the exact same idea the exact same time and we'll send each other a picture like we doodled real quick and it's oh I can't say doodle because that means something else in Australia but uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah that's the only real obstacle that means a naughty bit. <laughs> That means a man's <laughs> naughty bit. <laughs> but we've managed, we've, we've made it work for uh, like the amount of stuff that we've been able to do, like is impressive. I think even if he was standing right next to me. So the fact that we've been able to do it as far away from each other as you possibly can get is, I think is a feat in and of itself. Yeah. We're both pretty proactive. You know, we both sacrifice a lot of our time and just to pour our love into this thing we're doing. And we're just so committed. And I've got a lot of trust in what Tony mm-hmm. does. And we just make it work. We just Ghostbusters, man, brings yeah. us together. So that's kind of how you came together, though, was sort of this like logo discussion. Was that how you ended up? Because like at this point, like Brendan, don't forgive me if I'm like wrong or correct me, but you're doing a lot of the sculpting work on characters and stuff for Phantasm, right? Yeah, I'm doing a little bit of sculpting. Yeah, well, Tony was doing the little Kenner stylish Ghostbusters stuff, and I always wanted to do something similar to what he was already doing. I was just loving what he was producing, so I said, hey man, can I do some uh, packaging art for you? And he was like, yeah, sure, man. So that's how it kind of started. So I, I created some logos and did some packaging art, and we just sort of grew from there. So how does that translate? Like, is that something where, like, I guess this is my question is, I don't know anything about 3D design because like I can do Photoshop because I took a graphic design class in like 1999 on Photoshop three or something. And so I'm like, I still understand layers. Hooray. They don't change that too much. (laughs) But I was when they introduced me to Maya, I my brain broke down and went no. And a lot of it was because it was all math based as opposed to, uh, you know, sort of like I'm going to sculpt things. And I don't really know how things work now in Blender and whatnot, but like. Did you have a background in 3D sculpting before you came to this? Or is it something where like you've just been able to translate the skills in sort of like two dimensional graphic design to sculpting out 3D figures? No, not at all. Um, 
I used to do like clay sculpting. I used to love doing that, but always wanted to do 3D sculpt. And Tony was the one who was already doing it. So if it wasn't for Tony, I'd probably wouldn't be doing it. He just inspired me so much that I just had to learn it once I saw what he was doing. So he actually taught me a bit of the ropes when I first started. And then I just enjoyed it so much. I enjoy sculpting more than the art, I think, drawing pictures. I like the 3D sculpting. And, um, yeah. Do you, is there a reason why? Like, is there something about that that is more interesting to you than the 2D stuff? It just, because it's 3D, you can see it from all the angles and you can, then you can 3D print it and hold it in your hands. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. I think that there's a lot of folks who can engage in like 2D artwork and design who do versions of Ghostbusters like artwork. And that is, this is not to like put down on anybody who, who does that. But I think translating that to, um, an aesthetic that feels like home to me because it's like, this fits in my collection and it goes with everything else and feels like it's a natural progression. Like, I mean, thinking specifically about things like your slime ball figure and how like, well, that sculpt was received, not just by like me, but you know, Steve Johnson, <laughs> like, um, and like thinking about how like your, for your Gozer figure that's out now, the things that you have coming down the pike are kind of in the spirit of the real Ghostbusters. And you represent that well in the designs. I don't know how well that translates from 2D to 3D for everybody. And so it's why it's been really impressive for me. Like when you were like, no, I didn't do it before. I just screwed around with it. And I'm like, that's nuts. <laughs> like there are people who like yeah, just, there's Hasbro designers who are like sitting there doing sculpting in clay. We've seen on behind the scenes videos who are doing this all, all, all this articulate stuff who haven't produced as good of a Slimer figure as you guys have. Right. So, um, yeah, it's not easy. All the all the sculpts start from typically like either a sphere, a little digital sphere or a cube. Yeah. And you got to manipulate that cube or sphere until you get a slime ball. And sometimes when you look at things like uh, 2D animation or 2D characters, they're super hard to translate that because they're not 3D, so you can't see it from all right. their angles. But essentially, you're just maneuvering around a little sphere in a computer until you get something elaborate as a slime ball with all the details and the bumps and the gums and the teeth and the articulation. It's yeah, it's impressive as like, you know, Insane. I mean, and then how it and then I guess this is a question I'll ask because then maybe then like, well, in, one, in all fairness, though, all I did was just point him in the right direction. I didn't I didn't show him all the tricks. He's showing me. He's uh, teaching me tricks now. So. Oh, so you didn't <laughs> Obi-Wan him? You weren't no. like, hey, <laughs> I was like, here, try this, do well, this. Well, Tony's still yes. doing sculpts, too. And I don't mean to say that you're not. I'm not like, hey, now Brendan sculpts and Tony. You just came along for the ride this episode. Well, like, it's, that's what it's you're here for, the, like the time it's, it's a, it's a really good partnership because while he's able to sculpt and stuff that we've discussed and figured out and planned and figured out stuff that we're going to be doing while he's sculpting and working all that stuff, I'm able to be in manufacture mode and right. start cranking all the rest of the, the stuff we've totally. already designed out. So it works, right. it works out. It works out real well. No, I, I agree. And I, I hope that I don't mean I mean this because I'm like, you know me, I'm very socially anxious. And I'm like, I don't want you to think like I'm not emphasizing your importance <laughs> in this process because you totally are, which is why you've been on this show like four times, because I think that what you do is amazing. Like, but just like, you know, but I think that um, 
there's something to be said about how like your process has come out this way. Like you now have gone from like, Hey, we know each other and we do things together to, I can lean into my strengths on fabrication here in Ohio. You can lean on your fabrication strengths over there and your, your design strengths over there in Australia. We can get this done. It's like, this is brilliant. I love it. It's like so synergistic and so good. I, just everything about it makes sense to me. So I know I'm like <laughs> people, right? People right now are totally annoyed with this episode. They're like, he is just gonna, this is just him. He's just trying to get free toys. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. No, um, I paid, I'm paying for my Gozer. I want everybody to know that just so we're all clear. My destructor. It's not called Gozer. It's called yeah, destructor. easy, easy. Uh, it was settled down, Beavis. Um, <laughs> but sometimes I feel like I have it easy because if I've sculpted something, well, my job could be typically over after that sculpt's done. You know, I, I still contribute with artwork and promotion, all that sort of stuff. But then Tony has to work for the next two <laughs> months straight, <laughs> all by himself, painting and sanding and printing, and packaging, and mailing, and dealing with the customers. So, you know, I'm on a bit of a free ride sometimes. But that's why I want to try and get over there and, and help him out a bit. Ness, I, I want you to come over here just so we can hang out. That's really, I'm like, could you just come over here? Because that way we can all get together and not have to do this with like a weird second and a half time delay that I'm going to have to do a lot of editing around. Um, I'm kidding. But <laughs> <laughs> But it's like I'm, I'm saying that office. Oh, believe like, me, I'd be there if I could. First thing when he comes stateside, we'll record another podcast, so you won't have to edit it as much. <laughs> yeah, just drive here and do it in the room next door, so there'll be the least lag possible. I think it's so cool how this process has come together. I do have a question for you about how your fab and your design process works. I'm going to use slime ball as an example. Slime ball, if you look at him and how he's put together, he's like a green shell of a body. And then he's got like teeth, but the teeth are separate pieces, right? That kind of got like socketed into his head. So do you know in that like design process, like what is going to be modular as you're sculpting? Or do you start with like a base sculpt and then you and Tony have to talk about like, how do we break this down into a fabricatable thing? Like, how does that work? Yeah, we, we have to plan ahead and we're dealing with resin. So resin's more brittle and prone to breaking. So we have to be smart the way we approach any sculpt, the way it's going to assemble. Can Tony get his hands in there to, to fit the teeth inside that mouth? Is, is it going to be too small on the build plates? So there's so many things to consider. In articulation is a big concern because resin grinds. So you've got to take all these things into account with the materials, um, Tony, you're probably better off talking about it than I am because you're the one making <laughs> the stuff. Well, I, the way I look at our kind of design process is it's 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 like Walt and Roy Disney, if you know what I'm talking about. Where Walt had all the <laughs> Walt had all the crazy <laughs> dreams and ideas, and Roy was the one who actually had to build it and like made it happen. And that's kind of the way we do things. He We'll uh, come up with an idea and he'll he'll kind of Dan Aykroyd the script and it's in outer space and in the future and all this stuff. And then I get to be Harold and I'm like bring it down to earth a little bit. Well, why not make it in New York instead of. But no, what it is, is he, he'll come up with a good, good design and 
or I will come up with a design and we'll collaborate and get like a basic sculpt and then figure out like, is it, does it actually need the articulation? Where should it go? He'll, he'll, I, I design like the socket pieces cause I'm able to do all the prototyping here. So like, instead of trying to relay that to him, I'll just take over that design as far as like the, right. the, the sockets and the articulation and stuff like that. But he, he relies a lot on me as a, he has to really have a lot of trust in me with what I'm saying, because a lot, he does the little bit of 3d printing. I, I mean, I don't know if anybody really knows that, but he's, he does some of that on his own too. So Essentially, Tony knows what he's doing, no. and I don't. <laughs> I'm just winging everything. No, he's just got to really trust. He's got to got to have a lot of trust in each other as far because he he can't physically do, see yeah. it, and I have to be the one that's actually doing it and convincing him why why this is a good idea and why this is a bad idea and what's actually feasible. And I have to be the one that has to consider. All right, well, if it's if I can do it once, can it be done? A lot more times. <laughs> can it be replicated? <laughs> yeah. Is it possible right. to do more than once? Is it something that can be done consistently? And so he's got to rely on me and take my input. And and he and he, we really almost like share a brain. So like the way I try to communicate to him, he understands it. And it's the the distance actually doesn't affect us all that much. To be honest. I think that part of the reason I nerd out about this this much, and I'll be honest, is like. I'm a communication studies person, uh, but I mean, like I teach communication studies and I teach communication and like efficient and effective communication. And so um, watching the two of you do this so seamlessly, it seems at least from the outside. Right. It, and watch <laughs> you even talk about it. Like, I look, I'm not going to be like, we've never spoken before. I've talked to you individually. Right, like at different points. Like, Tony, you've been on the podcast several times. And we direct message like Brendan, you and I have direct message about things and like whenever I talk to either of you about what's going on with your toy designing and what's going on, you're always on the same page. Like there's never like a point where you're like, I don't know. I got to check in with what's going on with the, you always have a sense of sort of mutual understanding of what's happening. And so, um, I don't know what your system of communication is, but it works. <laughs> and, and I'm diagnosed it as such as a person who has a, a master's degree in the subject matter um, from over here. But like, I mean that like, I just, I just think it's so impressive to me how you manage to facilitate that process. But Tony, it, you and I, it's sometimes it's really spooky. Like we can be in these uh, brainstorming sessions and we'll almost word for word send a message that's the exact same idea at the exact same time. And that's happened numerous times. It's, it's pretty spooky sometimes. We're really on the same page with a lot of things. So that really helps with what we're doing. Well, just keep ta tapping into the psychic network. You'll be fine. That's what that means. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the it's the psychic paranormal toy network. Um, Hasbro's not really executed any access to it. They need to pull off a few rituals in order to make that work for them. Uh, but we'll see. That's a good thing for yeah. us. <laughs> they don't have access to the dark, the dark codex of toys. Only you do. Um, <laughs> I hereby proclaim that you must now make the dark codex of toys. <laughs> <laughs> because I, we haven't gotten into yet the other reason you're both here, which is so I can give you my list of demands. Um, no, <laughs> uh -oh. these are the things you'll be making next. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I have a weird question for you, and I think you're. I think I know the answer, but. Have you I have either of you ever considered getting into the world of soft goods and plush? A mm, little bit. 
something? Kind of. <laughs> oh, am I approaching a subject you're not ready to discuss yet? <laughs> no, no. We've 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 kicked around ideas, but yeah, we've been. There's been there, there's a couple yeah. of ideas we have, but whether it being realistic for one person to do on their own is another yeah. thing. I recently bought a. Uh, <laughs> I bought a Descendants plush like the the band descendants the punk band mm -hmm. they made their mascot it was their front man milo they have a cartoon version of him and they made him as a posable plush punk so he has like bendable form wires inside of him but then he's made of plush and so you can pose him and he's actually behind my head um, oh there he is he's like um so I got that recently and I'm like, I, I need this. Like I need, like, I need an entire set of this for everything I like. Fuck Funko Pops. <laughs> this is my life now. <laughs> Let's talk for a few minutes about like the amazing stuff that you've put out so far. And like, maybe we'll get to talk about what's coming up down the pike. Um, but I find that like, I've said this to you already, Tony, like your slime ball figure is awesome. Um, it's, probably the best thing that anybody's ever made to represent Slimer. And then <laughs> I was privy to your destructor figure because you were kind enough to send me a render of it at some point. And I was like, what are you doing? Um, that's amazing. <laughs> and I believe when you sent it to me, you sent it to me as an image that had two uh, real Ghostbusters styles um, terror dog figures with it. Yes. And I was like, what are you doing? So let's talk about this for a minute like this destructor figure how did the two of you both come to say that you both needed to create a destructor figure because this doesn't exist pretty much uh i think the terror dog was first i think or the the design idea kind of happened and i think you kind of threw together a. uh i don't know if it was a full render or what you did but i think my comment was exactly what Jim just said, what we really need is a gozer in the, the same style, the same Kenner inspired style, because the, that there was never any actual movie villains actually made at in, in toy form, at least during the initial run of the, the real Ghostbuster line. So I was like, what would that look like? I mean, we got to We got to at least like see what that would look like. Right. And then what did you do? <laughs> yeah well i remember you saying something about the gozer and i just went that's a great idea i'm gonna to totally make that <laughs> so i just went ahead and started it and surprised you with it you were yeah so then we started thinking what would it kind of have how would they approach it because gozer's typically white with the black black hair so we were thinking oh would kind of make her more vibrant which would be like a really purpley typical villain color. And then I was trying some crazy ideas. Like I had the, her uh, high heel shoes and I had um, mm. <laughs> like some of it was ripped open. We had, I had the head like toes coming out, giving that monster vibe. And Tony's like, no, that's stupid. Don't do that. <laughs> but we went through many iterations of uh, what, what Kenna specifically would have done. And we sort of come to an agreement there. And then Tony came up with the idea of, well, you know, maybe she should have a companion, guys. Because all the other characters come with little companion, guys. Yeah. Did you decide at that point that the gargoyle ghost was like the 
thing to do because you were going to do the terror dog first already. That was Tony's yeah. idea. Yeah, we were we. I was like, she has to come with a companion ghost, but it can't be a terror dog. Those are the obvious companions for a gozer because we we're going to be doing those. So we were trying to figure right. out what it could be and just come up with something original. But I thought maybe we should have a little a little nod to something in the film that always like really stuck with me was that gigantic, oh, like weird face gargoyle statue that's at the top of the temple in the apartment building yeah, that yeah. actually falls down during one of the earthquakes when go when uh, gozer's talking and that was like the one thing i thought that would be good because it can't be the terror dogs because they're coming down the pike so uh it had to be something with a little bit of a nod to the movies but still be something original and yeah that's where that's where the the gargoyle ghost came from that's funny because I, I, <laughs> I did think that when I first saw it and I was like, you're doing a gargoyle ghost pack. And then I was like, well, we, I, I know you're going to do these terror dogs. So it wouldn't make sense. You're like puppy. It's a puppy terror dog. It's a little one. Like, <laughs> But I will say if the next movie gives us terror puppies, I'm not opposed. Terror puppies are OK. Um, <laughs> you know, that would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many of those RGB characters we've never seen toy form. So it's. You got to do the dogs. Yeah, they're just so huge and menacing. They're deltoids. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking massive. <laughs> you got to do that. And and Tony has got a little something something he's already made of the T dog, and it looks incredible. I must say. Yeah, I will say also that it does because, um, as we said at this episode, you kept putting it on the webcam and shoving it in my face as I was trying to <laughs> get us organized for this episode. So anyone listening, you're like, why do they sound so disorganized this week? It's Tony's, it's Tony's fault. He kept putting toys in my face to impress me. We're, ex- <laughs> we're really excited distracted. about it. We're excited about it. I mean, it, it kind of it. It is was pre was pre Gozer. And uh, as far as the way the ideas kind of came about and uh i just happened to it was just right around the time when we were uh getting the design done doing some tests what was going around ghostbusters day so we decided we'll hold off a little bit and we'll announce we'll, sh- we'll we'll finally show off a little tease of this on ghostbusters day so it timed out really well for us it was it was a fun little teaser and 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 brendan did the whole little video animation for that which was amazing and he completely designed the the temple in 3D and the and the and the, the the doors opening up with all the Gozerian artwork on it and everything completely d- 3D designed all that for the video and everything. And if you're telling me all that exists <laughs> in 3D uh, yeah. as files somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those of you, if you're not sure what this sound is. That's the sound of my palms rubbing together. That's what that is. Um, and. I guess it's look. It's an audio podcast. We haven't done vi- visual medium yet. Um, no one <laughs> needs to see this right now. Uh, but meaning my face. But I, I mean this from a standpoint that's kind of fun. I want to think about this. I was going to ask you about this anyway. Do you envision a world of playset at some point? Is there like a dream phantasm toys playset that exists out in your brains? Mm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, someday. There's no, but the, we got to keep reminding ourselves too. There's no real rush. I mean, we want to make right. sure that if we're going to do it, we can do it right. And but yeah, the it's 
we're always kicking around those ideas. The playset needs to come back. It almost seems like it's kind of died off. And it's if you want a playset, it seems like it's got to be like a crowdfunded thing or something. But yeah, yeah, we 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 always talk about playsets. So definitely is, is something we talk about a lot. We talked about doing the afterlife goes a temple, but then someone beat us to it. So, <laughs> no point in uh, trying to do that now. But we started, we, we had the idea to make, I mean, obviously it's got to be, you can't have a Destructor without her dog companions. I mean, it's, it just makes sense. So that was always the plan. But just as far as like manufacturing goes and being able to produce both, you know, sets of terror dogs and a Destructor figure at the same time just made more sense to just do them one at a time and... So we can do it right and fulfill all the orders, but just want to kind of let everybody know that this is intended on being a set. So look out for well, this is what brought me sort of to ask you that playset <laughs> question was when like when you first put that video, that, that image out, right, of like th- th- her and the two dogs. And I was like, is this going to be like my Phantasm Toys Eternia playset? Like this is <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be like the full temple, the two dogs, the one figure. It's exclusive. You got to pay like one thousand dollars in Kickstarter money. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to get to that point. We'd love to get to that point, but we shall see someday. I'll ask you this question. Let's see what you think about this. Do this it. is kind of separate from like our discussion of your stuff and um but i think it is relevant to discussing like your model of how you're producing and making that kind of a decision because like you've never like you do pre-orders right but like mm-hmm. you've never been like hey we're gonna crowdfund a figure right like that's a has lab move at this point right <laughs> um like hasbro is like hi we're a multi-million dollar company and the risk is really high for us to produce something so we were hoping that you could come along and all agree to crowdfund this thing and then if it doesn't work out we'll just give you the money back like i'm like do you recognize they're independent toys companies they're actually taking more risk than you right but i digress i'm watching what's happening with the back to the future tomy delorean have you been following this at all yeah i've 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 been paying attention brendan you haven't no no okay so like the fast and should long, the long and short of it, not the fast and hard. That's different. Um, the long and short of it is that Tomy, which is a brand I didn't even know existed anymore. Cause like they used to like make, you know, robots and things. And in the eighties that would walk up to you and give you drinks. Um, they apparently are, have the license to make a back to the future DeLorean in one ten scale that will fit the NECA figures. And people are very excited about this. Very but excited. They're, but they're doing it via Kickstarter. Which, to me, I'm like, uh, wh- wait, what? Like, how do you get to be like, hi, we're masquerading as an actual big name toy company from the 80s because we're some group of people who bought the IP for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now we're going to come along and ask you to kickstart a Back to the Future DeLorean where if we don't get enough money, none of them will get made. And of course, like people backed it like crazy because people are like, of course, I want to back to the future. DeLorean, my figures can go in. But like. What's your take on this? Like, do you do you see like as. I don't know, as an independent toy company, is there ever a point where you've considered like, let's do crowdfunding or have you just recognized like pre-order is the way to go? Like, uh, I would say 
pre-order is definitely the way to go for us right now. I mean, it, if it's something that we think it it depends. Like if you're making it in-house and you have a lot of control over it, I think pre-orders are the way to go, but when you start getting factories involved and stuff and there's a lot of upfront expense, I think I can see how crowdfunding works for them. But for us, we can, we we can control everything in house, and by the time it's gone up for pre order, we kind of understand our costs involved. So we know once we make X amount of figures, we can be able, or once we sell X amount, we can buy enough stuff to produce so many more and stuff, and then we can keep as long as we don't waste a lot of our materials and overorder and stuff and. We can make it manageable for us and keep the cost low and actually be able to make enough money to keep the machine running and move on to the next one. So, But it seems like it, we can't really predict anything either. Everything sells differently. Everything is either a big hit right away or it seems like after it's gone, uh, people want it even more. It seems like once, once right. we turn the machine off, it seems like that's when everybody really wants it, but... Yeah, I th- the way we're doing it, I think it's we we've built up a, a trust with our customer base, and I think they know that we're gonna be able to fulfill on that promise. And I I don't know, crowdfunding scares me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, I would I would agree. I think it's a scary environment, you know, because I think that you know, even look at what Hasbro's done. They've had projects that they put all this development into, and then they just fail. You know, and it's just like, okay, well, that was a lot of time and creative energy spent for no reason, <laughs> like because <laughs> now you're just not going to make it. And um, I don't, to me, I don't get that. And I, I mean, some people out there are like, dude, you're just throwing shade at Hasbro this week. And I'm like, no, not really. I just that's the crowdfunding model to me is something that I go, okay, I I think it's interesting, but I often wonder like why it's necessary. Like if you're developing a good enough product that people want. You know, um, it seems more like a thing you do because you're like, it insulates you from risk and something that, as you said, like asking your customers to pre-order a thing you've developed, developed a relationship of trust. And I, I hold it with you. The one thing I would be willing, I just need to tell you this. Uh, not that I want you to get hunted down by lawyers, but if you were to sort of come out with a car that was in one twelve <laughs> scale and. <laughs> really rolled and was white and some blue sirens <laughs> on the top of it. You don't have to call it a Cadillac. Just call it like a, I don't know, um, Spectro one. And, um, <laughs> I will crowdfund it. That will, that will do that. There you go. I'm everyone. I'll, I'll give if you bring me an Ecto one that really rolls my figures fit in. There's a lot of things I'll do. I'm kind of scary. I think we've kind of carved ourselves a little path here of being. I think you have creature creators at more than. Yeah. 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 That's what we yes, have the most fun with. That's yeah. We like, we like doing the guys because no one does the guys. Everyone just does the four guys. Over no, you're and right. Over again. And we need, we need some more ghosts. So hence the name phantasm. You know, there's a clever play on words there. It's like phantasm being the ghost. Fantastic toys. <laughs> And orgasms in there. Also, somewhere. your fans. <laughs> <laughs> your fans of org. Wait, never mind. Um, this is like, wait, it's getting too deep. We're going too far yeah. into this rabbit hole. Back out. It's scary. Yeah, we definitely need more ghosts, and that's that's kind of where we're going. Creatures, ghosts, monsters. 
we're going to stay in our lane. That's makes a lot. It makes a lot of sense. And it's also like, you're not wrong. Like that is the niche to be filled. If it's crazy to say that, that in the line, you know, uh, that in uh, toy lines for ghostbusters, the thing that is missing most is ghosts. It's like, even go back to the Kenner line and it's like, yeah, there's some great ghosts in there. It's like granny ghost is great. And like, you know, they brought back like bug eye ghost and did them again for the Kenner that the Kenner retro re-releases and they did, you know, uh, fearsome flush. But then there's like how many different versions of all of those four dudes. It's like fright features, super fright features. Super fried features, slime like heroes, proton pack action, slime power heroes. packs, it's like yeah, ecto glows. Yep, <laughs> and if you have those, of course, then you're ecto glow elite, and no one can touch you for the rest of your life. You're just the greatest <laughs> Ghostbusters fan. <laughs> you have ecto glow. That's why this, these large companies keep doing it. They could just punch many different variations out of that right. one mold. Just different paint right. schemes, and. The ghosts just get pushed to the yep. side. And that's what drives me crazy. Like, I think it's why, like, that makes so much sense that what you're doing, because when you look at, you know, I mean, look at, like, I'm not trying to slag on Hasbro repeatedly, but they're the ones with the license right now, so they're going to get it. But like, um, look at what they did with the, uh, the six inch license. They were like, hey, we'll produce four figures of the OG Ghostbusters. Cool. What should you do with your next production slots with? Oh, you know what we could do? Let's do the same exact figures. But let's put some slime on them and then let's increase the price point by like five dollars a figure. And you go, I don't look. I do you have any idea how many of these I have of these four guys? And to be fair, it's not just them. Like, look at Maddie, like Mattel designed one buck for the figures of those like of the four guys. It's like it's the same body. They don't have any differences between them except for maybe Venkman's feet. So. When you look at the slime blower figures in particular, like the only thing that separates Ray from Winston are literally the heads. It's just like pull them off. So if you want to build your own slime blower four pack, you can you just get an extra Egon and an extra Peter and you get two extra slime blower figures of Egon or of Ray or, or Winston. You rip their heads off, you put the other ones on and now you have a whole team of slime blower Ghostbusters. But it's because there's like literally just reuse and repurposing. And I think mm-hmm. what you do is so much more challenging because even though it's like one figure at a time in production, you're creating stuff that nobody will do the work on because they, for some reason, think the economy of scale doesn't make sense for them. Like, so I don't know. There's a big rant. I don't know how you want to react to it. I was pretty bummed out and surprised that we didn't get a uh, plasma series mantra. Mm-hmm. That was a weird call. Yeah. That would have solved mm-hmm. my hotcakes. I don't know why they didn't do that. But that's okay. But once again, it could be that tooling issue where, well, we can only get this one figure out of that mold. Right. So. Well, that's the beauty know. with what we're doing. We don't have to stick by the, the same ways of doing things that the large manufacturers have to do with trying to make the money back from that same expensive mold. We The way we operate and the way we do things, we can, we, we can put as much effort into a really small run as a huge large run. There's really that the cost of starting it up is the same. So that's where where they've people have shied away from doing a ghost or a monster because it's a one-off mold that you cannot reuse and do different things with. It's not cost effective for them. Well, that's where we come in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's, I think if you sat down and planned it out, you could definitely share like arms with certain and hands and things like that with certain villains. And, but I, I think it's, 
deemed as a, a high risk. But I think if they delved into the real Ghostbusters, that's that's a sure thing to me. I'm sure if like Super Seven or NECA had those licenses, they would just be going to town oh, yeah. with it. It'd be yeah. incredible. But luckily for us, <laughs> I'm not, not like trying to be like, hey, can we talk about how these companies won't just put you, you know, into the grave? That's not what I mean. I think it's interesting to consider how the action figure industry at this point is so rooted in this very mentality of in order to be successful, you either need to create something on an economy of scale such that you reuse and repurpose the same stuff, or if you need to do anything different, then you got to crowdfund. I think that that there is sort of a notion of like innovation and risk taking in toys has gone away. And that's what's leaving the place and the space open up for makers and creators to be in. And then the other place is sort of like niche boutique stuff that it's like, whether it's, you know, smaller makers, like not to call it individual people, but it's like, you know, our friends at TCU toys are doing niche things where they're doing like a thing that there's, we're going to do one-off little figures. Like I thought it was really funny. I don't know if you saw it, but they gave away a figure of Admiral Akbar. And he was <laughs> yeah. in the flight suit. Yeah. And what's funny about that is that like he made that figure. There was a t-shirt of that exact design of it's a trap. It's and a trap. But by the same token, like the, Hasbro owns the license for Star Wars figures. Hasbro has the license for Ghostbusters figures. There you go. It, to me, I'm like, do that. Yeah. Do that as a one off figure, right? Like. It'd be like and, if, and give me an it's a trap Akbar like that would like be Admiral amazing. Admiral Akbar ordered a selfie series. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like what a great way to market yeah. selfie series would be to make an Admiral Akbar figure in the flight suit and be like, you can have your own just like Admiral Akbar. It's a trap edition. Like whatever. But like these are the things that nobody's doing. I feel like, and in contrast, I feel like ten years ago maybe we were a little. And like, that's what I think is interesting about how this space has been opened up for you guys and others. Like I owned a Skeletor that came with the missing tooth. He also came with Molar, Eternian Dentist. And it was a total <laughs> one-off to a robot chicken sketch. Yeah, that thing's where it was awesome. Like, like it's a great sketch where like Molar is doing a root canal on Skeletor. And so for SDCC one year, Mattel's like, Let's make that box set. It's the stupidest thing ever. It's hilarious. <laughs> but let's just do it as a one off. And they didn't turn around to anybody and be like, we got to kickstart this. Can you give us some crowdfunding to create Molar Eternian and Dentist? <laughs> no, they just looked at their budget and went, what can we do with marketing and creating conversation about and tie in and make it happen? And I feel like that's what's getting lost at the big end. But that's what's like creating the ground for you guys to do, you know, awesome stuff that's filling in these gaps. So I don't know what that makes me want. I don't know if I want somebody to fix the top end or if I'm just like, keep fucking up because that means my <laughs> friends succeed. <laughs> like. I got a feeling uh, Hasbro's going to go full metal record soon. Once you got the new animation that's supposed to be yeah. coming, we got the comic books, the new movie. I think things will change. But it's almost like they. They they can't risk having Ghostbusters on the shelf unless there's a movie out there to promote it or something out there. But we'll have a bunch of stuff out there soon. So things are going to change. Yeah. 
I th- and I think you're right about that. I think like there's going to be a, a tipping point here with the other media that's coming. There's got to be more toys, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I know that you make toys, but is there something that you want? You want somebody else to make so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I don't really think along the lines of that anymore. I kind of, if I, if I want it, I'm going to try and make it myself. But I, I think like something complex, like a, like an RTV or, or something like that. I think, I think that would be like a smart has lab if we get something like that. But other than, other than like a piece of equipment, if it's anything like toy wise, I'm just going to make it myself. <laughs> so can we say like maybe you draw the line it, what does it have microchips yeah like do you have much. to you know like <laughs> if it's rc based i'm out yeah <laughs> brendan anything on your wish list that you're like I'm, i can't make it myself so you make it oh everything <laughs> I, i'd want i'd want the boogeyman a grundle sam hain all the deep cut characters from rgb mainly real ghostbusters stuff is what I would want to see. But we we really got nothing from the show. From off the top of my head, it's all kind of mm-hmm. Kenner design stuff. So <laughs> anything from the cartoon. They're like, great. here's a trash man who <laughs> when you put a, a can on his head becomes it's... evil. Like <laughs> there's these little background characters that pop up in the show. There's like a, a trash can has got all these eyeballs on right. top of the uh, the lid. Little deep cut characters. Yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. I've been thinking about this a bunch that like, I kind of want them to do like, and this is something I, I want you to make figures and do everything you do. But I, the thing I would like, and I would like to see Hasbro do at this point, they gave us the Kenner retro figures. They gave us a Kenner retro Ecto one. So if you're going to play crowdfunding has labby models, fine, whatever. Give me, an updated firehouse. Like we've been like Mattel has done gray skull and been like, let's add new technology into it to make it do more stuff. Right. So we'll take the old concept. We'll make it in scale with the, um, he man and the master of the universe, like, uh, origins figures, which really are quite in scale with the original vintage figures. And we'll give you a gray skull that has new features, new functionality, et cetera. I would love to see Hasbro be like, let's do the firehouse, but let's make it also have like light up functions and let's have like an, like when you uh, open the doors or something, the, um, the bell goes off. Yeah. Like like Mm. that would be cool. You know, it'd be cool. So a little piece on the roof that could be removed so you can replicate the the movie (laughs) and have like a red light that shines up through it. (laughs) (laughs) And there's like people running outside the building as it screams, clear the building. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I maybe I'm being ridiculous and asking for that, and I certainly don't want it as much as I want an Ecto one that really rolls. But like, I, I think that there's so much potentiality to take the IP that we love and do more than just recreate it, like or rather repeat it. Like you could mod, you can update it, you can improve upon it. And I think that's where I get lost with like what they're doing versus what you all do. Cause what you do is you look at an existing thing and go, how can we make it better? Add to it, 
Whereas what they're doing, even with the old, like when they had the opportunity to do Ketter Classics figures, they just churned out four figures, two ghosts, and a car, and went, we're done. <laughs> and you're like, y- y- you have an entire library of stuff you could be putting back out. But on top of that, you could be putting out stuff we never got. Like, give me Egon's lab. You have the file somewhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I don't know. But maybe I'm just babbling about this, so. We were toying with the idea of doing some of the kind of unreleased stuff, stuff that never got produced. There's like this, uh, it's like a purple stegosaurus looking thing, and its eyeballs pop out, and its tongue pops out. Yeah. There's a bunch of unproduced toys that they've got. I was like, oh, we could do that. There's a, there's a, like an old lady with a, a pram, and then the a part of the pram shoots open and there's a ghost inside that pram and little things like that'd be great to do. Mm. But we'll have to see. And if you do, then we'll have to go to war with Hasbro. No, I'm kidding. Uh, But, (laughs) but we love Hasbro, especially like that proton pack is the best thing I've ever seen. And we don't get anything like that over here in Australia. Literally you go into a store and it's, um, Lego, Lego or Barbie dolls, but that proton pack is amazing. I've actually got one. I've, it's sitting at Tony's house. So I've never <laughs> hold, held it in my hands. Hopefully one it's day I'll see it. I yeah. was going to ask you if you'd actually received your proton pack yet, but you just answered my question. So um, the answer is no, it's still sitting at Tony's house. Well, Tony's received it. it. <laughs> I'm keeping Did it you nice take his safe. proton pack out like, and wait put for it that. on and like make video of yourself being like, I'm wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> so Hasbro have the magic in them. They just need to take some risks on some other characters. Yeah, and them. I should say this. Like, I don't mean to be like just slagging on Hasbro. And I think that you all both have a deep appreciation for, you know, like you, you make toys that are inspired by things you love, you know? So, um, but I just think it's weird that we live in this strange era where like, the risk taking and innovation on characters seems to not be happening <laughs> at the like where at the top level of toys. And instead it's happening amongst like people like you who are doing amazing work that I'm happy to support because I think it's fantastic. Um, and by no means am I like Hasbro, you should step into this arena now. I'm like, you lost your opportunity. That's it. You're fired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like on behalf of the fandom, you fired. Uh, no, more yeah. than more than I mean, a huge reason why we're doing what we're doing is because we love their stuff so much. Like I that, that was the big motivation just to make slime ball was because I wanted a slime ball that or a slimer that fit in with the with the the plasma series guys like it. it they just needed I, I mean, I don't know. It just it was like I've said before in the past, a lot of what we do is is because of my selfish reasons wanting it for myself. But uh, yeah, like a big part of what we do too is because of our love for the Kenner line, the Hasbro stuff, the, the Maddie collector stuff, like just huge fans of all that stuff. And there was just little things here and there that they just, it's just like, why wasn't this made or I've always wanted, even as a little kid. So it's the technology's there now to where we can do it. And we can finally plug those holes and, uh, make those collections what they should be is the way I, mm-hmm. I like to think of it. So, 
I do want to ask the two of you, we've talked a lot about your great communication and your ability to be far apart. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are your plans for getting closer together? I mean, like, are there, do you have plans to try? Like, Brendan, I think you talked about this earlier about potentially coming here at some point. And um, do you have plans to kind of get together face to face? Is there going to be a face to face international a summit of phantasm toy makers. Yeah, I think so. I'm planning a little vacation over to the States. I'm going to see Tony in person and yeah. um, might help him out on the production line and a few things we've, a few secret things we've got in the works. And um, we are planning, well, it's not 100% confirmed yet, but we might be making an appearance at New York Comic Con this mm-hmm. year. Gotcha. So we're just trying to lock that down at the moment. And hopefully, yeah, we've got some surprises up our sleeve. Some really exciting. Are you gonna have a panel? We haven't shown yet. <laughs> 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 yep, Matt Hatter's gonna be there, YHS, Geek Dad, <laughs> Phantasm. Everyone's coming. No. no. It's just gonna be a small little thing if yeah. we do it. So well, was, I'm excited. It was so much fun. I did it last year and it was just such a great opportunity and shout out to Mr. Mitch from Hastel toy for giving us the opportunity to be there too. It was just a great experience and to be able to rub elbows with people and like meet Trevor and stuff like that. And actually meet people face to face who I've interacted with on Instagram and who've bought a lot of stuff. So I think that this year we've done even more since since then. So we have more stuff even coming out to show off. And I think we could have a have twice the amount of fun <laughs> coming up. <laughs> we're trying. We're, we're working out the details right now, actually. I just think it's kind of funny that you're going to go to New York Comic Con because what people can't see on this audio version podcast is that Brendan has been doing the entire podcast bringing a New York Yankees hat. While he's in Australia. <laughs> and I just have to ask you, is that an aspirational thing? Do you wear that? Cause you're like one day I'll be in New York or like, how does, what is your Yankees hat situation about? I didn't even realize I was doing it. <laughs> but, um, I'm just a big, I'm just a big poser at the moment. <laughs> Kelvin Klein on and me, New York Yankees. Yeah. I'm full of shit. <laughs> I have. I want to ask you this. This is going to be completely off the topic of Ghostbusters question because now this just fascinates me. Do you get that hat locally? Do you have like is that a hat you buy on Amazon? Like, <laughs> yeah, no. We they sell all the like uh, the basketball and sports stuff here, so we can get you know Chicago Bulls jerseys and hats and stuff like that, but nothing else really. It's it's really crap what we have. <laughs> and everything's everything's so delayed. Like I had to wait months and months and months to see a Ghostbusters Afterlife product on the shelf. Oh, I and know. All we got, all we got was that hideous friggin' um, Stayfish Marshmallow Man that looks like it's for three year olds. <laughs> That's what we had, but. Is this what I've been waiting for? To be for? fair, Pop Culture did receive a shipment of RC traps, but somebody might have expatriated them back to the United States en masse. Um, 
not that I know anything about that, but, <laughs> um, but you're not, but you're not wrong. Like the delay time, this is a good, it's a good thing to sort of talk about for a minute. The delay time between, um, like the U S release of something and when it finally arrives for you in Australia is pretty significantly different. Like I've made it, I've taken advantage of this, like, because pop culture <laughs> is like, if people don't know pop culture, which is like the greatest name for an Australian, like toy and pop cultural marketplaces, pop culture, like, okay, great, fine. Um, C L U T C H A. Um, that's how they spell it. If you go there and everything that's sold out in the U S like you missed out on it, it's gone. You can go there and it's still there. <laughs> like it's the strangest thing, but like, yeah, I bought descendants action figures. They super seven made descendants. Milo's little like three and three quarter inch versions of the, guy from their band from the descendants band and i missed the first figure not knowing that it existed at all it was selling for like 50 dollars, 60 dollars a piece on ebay i go off to pop culture six months after the stupid thing comes out and they're like 18.99 and also we're having a 30 percent <laughs> off sale on action figures and i was like this is brilliant i'm gonna order like two of them so i can open one and <laughs> put one away like and i've found rc traps that way and stuff so but it is strange. Like you guys get stuff so much the later. The time we you know? get it, it's technically vintage. <laughs> yeah. So you're in the ideal position to like start a business where you just buy the stuff that's finally coming out for you locally and then sell it to everybody who had FOMO <laughs> and missed out <laughs> six months ago. Like that's your old hustle. <laughs> Mind you, I think we got the TMNT Mutant Mayhem stuff a bit early. Did you? I think we got it before you guys. Some reason I don't Interesting. know. Interesting, but what what really broke my heart was uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. We got the delay on the movie. Mm. So, being heavy on social media, I couldn't avoid the spoilers. So the first thing that came, I saw was Egon, Ghost Egon. It's like, oh, dudes, <laughs> what are you? Why are you posting that for? So, yeah, got. Delayed by, I don't know, like three months or something for me. So the whole movie was kind of spoiled. So I didn't get to have that moment. But you sucks, did get but. to have Baskin Robbins Marshmallow tie in, and we didn't. So <laughs> <laughs> I think did you even get some of that? Yeah. Oh. I didn't get any of those. I saw them on the shelf, but it doesn't do anything for me. Marshmallows. Like we, because I thought it was interesting that like we mm. had the big Baskin Robbins cancellation here, but like over there, for whatever reason, some of the food marketing items and like fast food marketing stuff that got canceled here still existed in Australia. And I was like, how does that work? Like, did, did I only saw the marshmallows? That's all I saw. I think they had like, but I live in a small country town. If you so. went to the ba- to like a Baskin Robbins location, I think they had a marshmallow topping that they were doing or something for stuff that had mini puffs on it. And there was clearly supposed to be a much bigger like Baskin Robbins promotion here in the like there were Funko Pops, but there was also slime, Mm. slime topping that came out the summer before the movie did with an expiration date of October that was probably supposed to be (laughs) Ghostbusters crap. But um, but yeah, no, you're not wrong. Like There is a weird delay, like the movie came out delayed for you all for whatever reason. But then you also exist on this weird delay cycle from I guess it's import delays, you know, Entertainment Earth and wholesalers have to ship stuff to you all and then it has to get distributed from there i don't know how that works like i don't know why it is like hasbro pulse doesn't have like hasbro pulse australia <laughs> like <laughs> but they should yeah i don't know so 
I don't know. But um when you do get the stuff, it's usually the, the card backs nicely folded in <laughs> half to fit inside the, the box. <laughs> Thank you. It's weird so, for you to be getting your stuff on a delay technically because you're you're uh, in the future. You're a day ahead. Agreed. So, <laughs> I was gonna say the thing say the same thing. Like he's already in tomorrow. Like you and I are experiencing evening and he is in tomorrow afternoon. Mm-hmm. And does this work? It, can you send us messages to stop whatever's about to happen? Like, is that a thing you can actually do for us? Like, if Jim, don't go to the bathroom before I am. <laughs> it's like if it was just a few weeks ago, you know, you could have been in Australia messaging people saying, "Don't board that weird ramshackle sub that's going underwater." Stop the catastrophe. Um, <laughs> hey, look, every podcast has to make a comment about that eventually, right? So um, that's how you show you're relevant and that your podcast is not timeless. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. I told them there was an iceberg there. They just kept going. <laughs> I will say, if there's one set of ghosts that you could make for me um, that I would be so excited about, we've never got figures of the ghosts that come off the Titanic from Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> I would want... I want a Cheech. Yeah. A Cheech and that other guy. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> All right, do you want to hear my really terrible... My really terrible joke? Better late than never. <laughs> I'll tell you my really terrible... Um, my really terrible joke. Was I said that in the next Ghostbusters movie, Cheech should get another cameo. <laughs> and and this time, what should happen is he should be down there and he's been promoted that he is now the doc supervisor down at Pier 34. He's not the guy standing next to him <laughs> calling in. So his arc <laughs> is that he's actually received the job of doc supervisor from the guy who was standing next to him before. And then the Ocean Gate submersible comes Aww. up. <laughs> 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 oh boy and, and he says well look what's resurfaced <laughs> and this is when my podcast got cancelled <laughs> sorry everybody <laughs> but yeah I, I make a cheech we need a cheech I would go for a cheech uh, you... what about the park bench yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take a park bench that's fine Um. I have also said that, you know, you ha- I think you have a version of the fur coat ghost. So that was one of those things that we do. Yeah, we, yeah, we did. A, we did so. it in a creeper, a crypt creeper. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about upscaling that one, I think it would work better. Larger scale with maybe a bit of articulation in it. I think it would be fun if you did it where it had armholes. And then you could like put it on a figure. Like it's like like it's Beast Man's armor from Masters of the Universe. You just like loop it over their necks and it's coming off of them. That would be awesome. Sure. So there's my there's I'm throw that out there now. Put that on the list. This is what this was. I really wanted to get on the podcast so I give you my list of requests and you know uh, demands. So um, tell me a bit for a minute because I wanted to ask you about this. How did the Ghostbusters news action figure come about? Because this was something that recently Jason from Ghostbusters News showed off that he had a new mascot action figure. And I thought this was freaking amazing because I was like, not only are you now producing like, you know, figures for sale, but you produced a one off for him. Like what? How did that come about? What 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 was the deal with that? Well, Tony, 
Uh, obviously, Mr. Logo over here made a design that a while ago as his logo. <laughs> and uh, just from us uh, having communication with Jason a lot, which he's done a lot for us, and we appreciate everything he does for us and helping boost our signal and showing our stuff off and all his kind words. But uh, he's uh, we're, we always talk to each other back and forth, and he mentioned you know, wanting to have a Ghostbusters news action figure, you know, hinted it back and forth and, and Brendan, uh, did a quick sculpt and showed it off and it, uh, got some, it wasn't that quick. (laughs) (laughs) It was quite difficult. He put together a beautiful sculpt and, uh, showed it off and it it went over really well. And Jason kept hinting at it and hinting at it and asking us when we were going to do it. And we had every intentions of doing it for him, but you actually had him on, on extraplasm on your podcast. And he was dropping big hints on, on that episode <laughs> about it, which was ironic. Little did he know. Yeah, we were actually made. making it. And I was literally listening to that episode while I was working on it and having hearing him yelling, <laughs> Hey, if you're listening. And but uh it just it was something he kept dropping hints on. And then it was a it was kind of like an experiment for us. Like we we went and tried tried out a bunch of things that we hadn't done before, different kinds of articulation, multiple different pieces, different uh, paint application. It was a lot of it was uh, just us, you know, pushing ourselves and pushing our limits and seeing what we yeah. can actually produce too. And it ended up. I mean, we were in love with it. I was sad to actually ship it away because it was. It it actually came out so <laughs> so good, and we loved it. And it was, and we sent it to him as a surprise and a thank you. And it's something that he was, you know, requesting, and yeah. we showed him. Jason's such a genuine dude. We just wanted to. Gift him a big thank you present because he's so supportive of what I thought we it do. was really cool. Um, I thought it was a very fun design and that it really portrayed like his logo well in 3D. And that's why, you know, to kind of tie this back to something we were talking about earlier, that really kind of rang in my brain of like watching you take a 2D image that you had designed and convert it to this 3D thing and go, wow, like Brendan, that's pretty damn impressive. <laughs> like to kind of take what was a flat image you drew up and reconceptualize it in 3d now you iter- you hit at this point idea that it was not an easy sculpt so um no. i'll ask you this to kind of come back to i was, I was surprised myself oh, i think it turned out great <laughs> i think it's great yeah but i don't know how i, I will ask you this about that process of sculpting and i feel like i'm sorry if i ping-ponged all over the place uh but how many iterations do you go through in sculpting like tony and i've talked about this in the past about like how many iterations of slime ball were cast and then you ended up posting a photo of that, of like, <laughs> here are all the prototype castings of slime ball that were like in a pile, I think. Yeah, that wasn't even was all that of the tub. And it wasn't it was like, but it was something like 30 of them or something that we talked about that you had probably done. Like, how many different sculpt designs do you end up with? Like, how many different versions of those files do you come down to before you're done, do you think? It really depends on what doesn't work on Tony's end. If something's not working on his end, then I have to go back and revisit it. But at the start, we just went through that many different iterations of every character we were doing because we just didn't know what we were doing. But now I think we found a little rhythm and we, you know, the prototypes are getting uh, far and few in between now and we're sort of nailing it. Yeah. It's awesome. I think um, I just want to let you know now, I have no expectation of an extra plasma figure. This is not me telling you while you work on it, that that should happen, but I'm totally okay with an extra plasma, easy bake pizza playset. 
So, you know, just let me know. <laughs> so if you make an easy extra plasma pizza oven that functions and works, that'll, that then we're good. But uh, no, I know. I, I'm we're thinking of an extra plasm ghost in a bathtub. Right? And he sits inside it. Ecto. That really rolls. (laughs) If you really wanted to wind me up, what you would do is you would make an extra (laughs) plasm ghost toy that would go inside of a bathtub that really rolls. And (laughs) oh, you hate my bathtub idea. No, I don't hate your bathtub idea. That's not true. We're gonna have this out now. This is happening. This now it's the extra plasm (laughs) uh, Baducci Studios Tony Taylor Toys Phantasm Toys Way Too Many Things Summit. (laughs) um you actually i i have to say this you did the first logo for extraplasm and you didn't like it when you were done and you were like i don't like this and i don't think i did a good enough job and i was like why i love it (laughs) like i think it's great i don't want to change and then you were like here i've got another one and i was like but 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 I like the first one. And this began a thing for the listeners of the podcast who were around when this happened. A really fun game of which logo should we use? And we put it on Instagram <laughs> and we let people vote. And it was a tie, which was absolutely not at all useful. It, it was, was a tie. A tie? It was okay. a tie. And so I became the tiebreaker. <laughs> and I said, I like the old logo. But every once in a while, you will repost that logo. <laughs> and when you do... People message me and they're like, this is awesome. <laughs> and I'm always, yeah. Do they? <laughs> and I get comments that are like, why aren't you using this? And I'm like, because I like the other one. <laughs> so recently, um, <laughs> Jason Fitzsimmons was trying to put an image together. He had done an article about this, an episode of this show with Ghost Beacon. And so he took ghost beacons logo and the extraplasm logo thank you and he put them next to each other and then he comments to me and he said this is driving me crazy and i said why and he said because the two logos when you scale them together yours is not perfectly round and i was like yeah brendan has an issue with this too (laughs) i tried to get around and you just said no (laughs) i said sorry you have to accept this imperfection of design because i love it that's how it is. Even I don't I look trying at to, imperfection. I was trying to sell you on getting rid of the word podcast, and you're like, no, it's got to have podcast there. It's like, dude, but that stops it from being round. And you know, but I think as an artist, we always like, like we'll draw something and then look at it with fresh eyes a few days later, and it's like, oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> but I, what but I, I don't think the that world? the logo for the podcast is disgusting at all. I love the logo for the podcast. No, no, it's not. <laughs> It's not bad. I just think I could do better. Well, maybe That's we'll all. give you an opportunity in the future. Maybe we'll <laughs> we'll just decide to be like year one is over. And for season two of Extra Plasm Podcast, we need totally new branding. And it's all bathtubs all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to sell um, glassware and coffee mugs. They're going to be in the shape of a bathtub. And... The entire podcast is going to be rebranded around bath- bathtubs. Be a merchandising line. I'm putting it on um, on Redbubble or something. Um, yeah, T Fury, T Public. It's all happening, but it's all bathtubs. So um, there you Sweet. go. But so get ready. <laughs> Here for it. I don't. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but I did want to talk to you about that logo thing because I I do appreciate the second logo, and I think it's fun. But I. 
<laughs> once I had done all the work to put the first one out, I was like, I don't want to rebrand this is hard. <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is too difficult for me. Um, well, when Jason, when I did Jason's logo, I had a similar little sort of debate with him because I want to do his beard on the ghost <laughs> because that logo is loosely based on the, the Muppet Anchorman, the news reporter guy, and Jason himself. And so I initially had Jason's beard on that character. And I was like, dude, you got to have the beard. <laughs> and he was like, no, no, I don't want to be the face of, you know. But I kept on pushing for it and he kept on pushing back. So, you know, I ultimately lost that battle too. <laughs> but I hope you don't view. This would have been makes cool. me feel bad. I'm like, you donated a logo to a podcast and you were like, I want to donate a better one. And I was like, but I like the first one. And I don't know that it's better because I like the first one. And then you're like, I lost the battle. It's all part of the process. It's all part of the game. Battle. Yeah. Um, Tony and I have our little <laughs> debates on, you know, it's, there's no animosity or anything like that. We just sort of, you know, what's, what can we do that's the best for this figure? And we sort of go back, back and forth. But then I was thinking, I was like, if, if, this, if you did the bathtub logo, it would be kind of close to the terror tub logo at this point, too. That's why we're pushing for it so hard for cross promotion all the time. We don't even know. Because you're going to, oh, because you're <laughs> going to create the extra plasma action figure that goes inside the tub. And then, look, you got a fear you're a yeah, fan we're of extra plasma. Yeah, we're going to going to use the same tub. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> we've already got this mocked out. It's a bulk thing. Yeah, no, I feel bad because now I feel like I'm exp- I'm creating some sort of expectation of people ever making anything for me. And I don't want that because I'm like, whatever, I'll make you a loaf of bread, but you got to be close enough by to eat it. Um, but. Yeah, that's all I can make for you. That, a podcast, maybe a slice of pizza. But again, you got to be close enough to eat it. I can't mail it to you. It doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) I can try. Do you want to see how it works? Let's do Let's go. Go for it. How do you think? How do you think a pizza will be received in Australia, given how slowly the Australian post works? (laughs) Hit for international. Do you like penicillin on your pizza? Um, well, if you get to come to the States and visit Brendan, like, cause you've talked to maybe being available at NYC at NYCC, what are your bucket list things you want to do in the States while you're here? Cause have you ever been in the States before or no? No, I've never been outside the country. Um, so aside from seeing Tony and being like, Hey, let's shake hands. <laughs> <laughs> what are your big aspirational goals for a visit to the U S? Well, I want to arrive. And go to Tony's house and go, take me to your containment unit. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see that thing. That's incredible. It's true. Like, Tony you do have a that. containment unit in the basement. You do. The working yeah. lights, it's amazing. I don't know how you do it. But Statue of Liberty, that'd be a big one. Oh, see yeah. that? The library. Firehouse, obviously. Disneyland, well, actually Disney World, maybe. Both of them. That would be a dream. If you came all the way to Disneyland, I would come meet you and hang out with you there. Because that's, you know, if you come all the way to California, I'd be like, cool, I'll come see you. But you might, you might be like, no, don't come. I have no intention of doing that with you. You just invited me and you invited yourself into my vacation. Get fucked. But I'm letting you know the offer's there. Yeah, no, maybe we can go to Disneyland, man. I'd be all about it. I've always yeah. wanted to go to see Disney. Um, there's so many things, man. Like, 
And then, you know, if I'm at Tony's house, I can just hop on a plane. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to New York for the day. Yeah. Go see uh, the Chrysler building and all that jazz. But yeah, there's so many things, but more than likely, I'm not going to fit half the stuff I want to in. (laughs) (laughs) I really really need to get uh, into the lab and help Tony out with production on stuff and, you know, alleviate some of that workload for him. Well, I'm hopeful that you can figure out, you know, I mean, that you get to visit, sure, and that as you continue to develop the relationship and the business that you figure out how to maybe visit us a little more, that would be good. I'm excited for the possibility and the chance for him to come stateside or at least be able to visit. And I mean, we've been able to accomplish what we've been able to accomplish with the distance between us. Imagine if we could actually be side by side producing stuff and, and there wouldn't be that distance between us. That would be, that would be awesome, man. I think we could really, really bust some heads in a spiritual sense, of course. <laughs> sure. I agree. Just need that working visa. <laughs> visa? It's everywhere you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. You mean something else. Yeah, Sorry. a little different visa. <laughs> I've been looking into Got it. Got it. MasterCard. <laughs> that doesn't the mastercard doesn't get you anywhere <laughs> just people think you, you sit around and go you think you're the master of something because you have plastic no sorry <laughs> but um i am really hopeful that you i'm really hopeful that you're going to make the trip here and um that you have a successful trip to new york and get to see all those things if you do come to california i will definitely uh, meet up with you if you're in, up for it and you should know that if you do we could go take like well, we may not want to go take the Sony tour because we might have to go cross a picket line to do it. Um, but we could go to the Millennium Biltmore and um, look at where ghosts were trapped and go do those things. So Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I know that this has been a, an awkward episode of the podcast to navigate a little bit, and it took a lot of effort to make happen because of the various time differences and things like internet lag and platforms and things, and I'm so appreciative of both of you. I do want to ask you if there's anything and, you know, we got to talk your destructor figures out. It's up for pre-order now. I've been talking about it for like at least two weeks, I think, and how great it is. Um, That's certainly something everybody should go and order from you at phantasmtoys.com right now. But is there anything else that you want to tease that's coming up down the pike people should know about? Well, she's going to have some pets. That's for sure. Those are definitely in the works. Yeah. Finally getting a chance to uh, finalize everything on them and doing some prototyping and getting some stuff to uh, working on the on her little puppies. And uh, we would like to. I don't know, I think we talked about the Ghostbusters news figure. I think there's a lot of stuff that we tried out on there uh, that it's going to come back in another form. A little bit of a moogly might make his way out. In a certain very famous introductory scene where he's dancing yeah. down the street, strutting his stuff. <laughs> strutting his way. That would be cool. Yeah, we get awesome. we got that in the works. Um, the, the head. Yeah. And we have floating head. Vigo. 
Oh, that's right. You teased that a while back that you have a Vigo as like his floating head coming out of the painting thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vigo in his very scary floating head form. Um, We've got a six armed creature. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that the extra plasm figure? It's just my head <laughs> with six really arms rolls. coming out of it. <laughs> six, it's, uh, it's really roll. It's a six. It's a head. On top of a unicycle wheel, and then there's just six arms coming out of it. That's that's it. Yes, yeah. a six-armed figure that likes to munch on things. We're still working on too. Nice. <laughs> With real munching action. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that we have so many ideas. It's just the the time and and uh, actually being able to commit the enough time to fulfill the orders and uh Make sure everybody gets a chance to get it if they can. Leaving pre-orders open for a few weeks. And uh, like, well, everybody's probably aware now. It's a one-man manufacturing production line. So it takes a little bit of time. (laughs) (laughs) But we do have a lot of things planned. And definitely want to see them because I want them in my collection. So (laughs) they will happen. Yeah, we encourage well, people to, to pre-order while the pre-orders are up because once we're done with that figure, we got to move on to the next one. But it's a lot of mucking around if we got to reset up the production line for older figures. Nine times yeah. out of ten, we'll we'll finish a run, and then there'll always be people like, "Oh, dude, you're gonna re-release that one?" It's like, uh, it's not that easy. So I highly recommend while it's there, grab it if you can. Yeah, I would agree, especially because completely cool. I would agree because if you don't, you end up finding yourself on eBay looking for Ghostbusters things. And then you find Phantasm toys items that have been put on eBay to have a markup on them because they don't exist anymore. And then I send them to you guys going, look, you're being marked up on eBay. Isn't that fun? (laughs) It is fun. It is kind of funny. <laughs> the fun number of times at. I've seen like your toasted uh marsh your toasted mini puff figures um I've seen show up on eBay more than once. Like where they <laughs> start because and I've had people ask me about mine, like where'd you get that? I'm like That's where I buy them. Yeah, that's where you buy them. Great. <laughs> You're like, well, Phantasm doesn't ship internationally, so I gotta buy everything on eBay. <laughs> but we do. We do ship do. internationally. You do. And you do a fantastic job. I, I've always said this repeatedly, that like everything I get from you is always incredibly well packed and um, has a little note that says thank you and everything. So, um, you know, I've said this in a number of times that I said I said this on Yes Have Some when I was on a few weeks ago, and I was very grateful to be on their podcast that um, I got a few episodes into this show and I probably was like maybe 12, 15 episodes in. And I went, OK. Now, who do we have on? (laughs) It's been three or four months and I don't know who I can have on as a guest, who I don't know. And I had to do this like sort of philosophical thinking of like, can you revisit people who you really enjoy talking with? And the answer to that question is yes. And that is why I've always enjoyed Tony when you come back. Um, And so thank you for doing it. Well, I just Uh, appreciate it. I'd like we're friends and it's just fun to talk to you and I'm a, well, just a fan of the podcast in general. So it's an honor and appreciate all the, all the hard work you put into it and appreciate you helping support what we do and 
giving us shout outs and all that. It really means a lot to us. It's it's really fun to be a fan of a show and actually hear them talk about your stuff. It's it's really surreal. Still, still gets me every time. So thank you, well, Jim. So. Brendan, yeah, thanks, you get guys. to you get your name said every week because every week there's a thank you section that thanks you and says thank you to you. Um, and thanks, I, Jim, I feel like I'm going to put that the, the musical thing behind this part of the podcast. I'm just going to put the, the revelation music from afterlife that ghost Egon is hugging big copyright struck for doing it. Um, and then we're not going to have a podcast anymore, but I mean, like, I hope Brendan that you come back again too, because like, I consider you both not just like your friends of the podcast, but I consider you like friends and I really value not just that you create cool stuff, but I value talking to you and the relationship I have with you and that I get to share it with folks on this podcast and that you come and do it. So um, thank you, Tony, for coming many times and Brendan, thank you for putting in the effort to like figure out how to do this from a world away and make it all function. So, um, no worries. This was the first time you've ever done anything like this, and you <laughs> this is the first time you've taken excellent. my virginity. And <laughs> wow! Yeah. Ripped off that bandaid. <laughs> That's it. I was like, "Hey, we did it. We we navigated this together. I helped you through it. Like you took my virginity <laughs> in podcasting. <laughs> now I am a deflowered podcast guest." <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so wrong. Um, <laughs> well, a huge thank for everybody else out there who supports us and gives us shout outs and Ghostbusters news and yes, have some and Geek Dad Life and everybody on Instagram and Ghost Beacon yeah. and and Mood Slime Toaster and super appreciative of all that stuff. I can't even. Th- I don't want to start actually naming off a bunch of people so people don't think I appreciate people, but. I, there's so many people. <laughs> I can say people a bunch. We even get people who's worked on the, the films <laughs> and animation projects that reach out to us and tell us what a good job we're doing. So that's really nice. To yeah, it, it does really mean a lot. It's it's a it's a still a passion project for both of us. Makes and us keep going. Yeah, the support in well, that community that we get is it means a lot. I'm going to keep supporting you and hoping and watching you keep going and rooting for you. If not only because you're my friends and I value you, but also because I want more cool shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's coming. And and you're making it. So yes, we are. Get back to work. (laughs) Yeah. You're supposed to be making destructors and got me over here talking. Yeah. God knows what. Like two hours about other nonsense (laughs) instead of doing the good work you should be doing producing my figures I'm gonna go complain on your Facebook page (laughs) 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 oh I really appreciate you both and thank you for coming on the podcast and please come back again anytime and you know again maybe we'll we'll figure it out the robes we'll figure how we're gonna handle the accounting but (laughs) like yeah I'm 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 taking my measurements Measuring up my sleeve. I'm gonna like it to fit nice and tight. No, I don't. Want hey, look. More I'm just saying this now. I if Brendan, if you earn a robe, I'm shipping it to Tony's house. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Put, put, put it there with my Hasbro pack. Yeah, you can put it on top of the Haslab pack, and you can pick it up later. <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon. 
Thanks, man. Yeah, this was awesome. Thanks. Love always right. coming on here. Right on. Thank you. Take care, everybody. That about wraps things up for Extra Plasma this week. I want to say thank you again to Tony Taylor and Brendan Pierce for coming on the show, but not just for being great guests, but for being people who were willing to put up with like the logistical challenge of an 18 hour time difference and being on a different day of the week than the other people in the conversation, uh, as well as all the technical challenges of, you know, say lag and internet dropouts and all kinds of other things that happen when you're talking to folks who are on a different side of the world from you. Um, they did an amazing job of powering through this and worked really hard because they wanted to make sure there was a good episode for folks listening at home. So an extra special thanks to Tony and Brendan for making sure this episode came out great. Uh, beyond that, I want to say thank you to Magnavox, the vaporwave artist whose remix of Ghostbusters serves as the theme song for Extraplasm each week. And of course, an extra special thanks again to Brendan for, you know, all the work he does to support our visual design and logos. And to you, of course, like because without you, there's no reason to have a podcast. Thank you for listening and supporting the podcast each week. I love hearing from you uh, on social media and hearing back from you in terms of commentary. If you have anything you want to share with the podcast, you can, of course, always reach me at Extraplasm on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. We're not on threads yet. We'll see what happens. We're still waiting to see how that shakes out. But until we do, I want you to keep in mind that as Ernie Hudson says every week, try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care. <laughs>